Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi folks, it's Tino here and welcome to our brand new series called CSE Stories right here on the Celtic Exchange. The series was inspired by the new book Football Without Fans, written and compiled by David McIntyre of CelticBars.com. And it's a book which is without doubt the definitive up-to-date history of Celtic supporters clubs across the globe. Throughout this new series, we'll be joined by many of the key individuals throughout those supporters clubs. And on that note, I'm delighted to be joined here today by Paul McCann and Mike Boyd of the Chicago Celtic Supporters Club. Michael, come to you first. How are things over there in the Windy City? It's good. I mean, it's a surprisingly warm February day in Chicago. No snow. We're all happy. Uh, I'm sure that will change. We'll get more snow probably until May. But it's it's good. Everything's everything's good right now. Good stuff. And, and thanks again for joining us. Paul, about yourself, um, we had a wee chat before coming on there. And you're, you're Glasgow born and bred? Yep. Uh, born in Glasgow, grew up in Mary Hill. Uh, moved to Chicago about five years ago uh, after meeting my wife, who's from here. Uh, so I came here and joined up with Mike, Chicago CSD, and I'm having a great time. Great stuff. Do you get back to, to Glasgow in Scotland much, or is it harder to make uh, the, the journey these days? It's been a couple of years since I left it back, but I'm going back in May. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited. May is hopefully a nice time to be arriving back at Celtic yeah. Park. Hopefully there's a, another league <laughs> title to look forward to. So generally speaking, just to get us going, um, Mike, I believe you're a, a co-founder of the Chicago CSC, so... Can you give us a wee bit of background in terms of, you know, when the club was formed, generally, you know, how many members you've got roughly and how the club came to be? Well, the the club formed uh, in 1995 and a lot of the uh, CSCs in North America formed around the same time because that was when uh, we were able to start getting the uh, live matches on a regular basis. So the, uh, the umbrella group for North America, you know, the North American Federation of Celtic Supporters Clubs started out as a way to uh, allow us to negotiate to get, you know, to get the matches on a regular basis. You know, there had been Celtic Supporters Clubs, you know, interested members of Celtics, uh, Celtic Supporters in the Chicago area, you know, they would get together to listen to shortwave uh, broadcasts of important matches, you know, like the the night in Lisbon. Uh, but there was nothing organized and structured. And in the early 1990s, uh, we started seeing uh, occasional matches uh, live. You know, we would get uh, the matches against the other mob uh, and occasional cup finals. But you know, in the 1990s, uh, you know, satellite time became more available and cheaper and marketing, you know, both in uh, all parts of Europe started realizing it was an untapped market to show matches to uh, p- 
people that are interested in Celtic, you know, I think they originally thought they would be mostly expatriates, but eventually uh, the structure started. We formed the club. Uh, you know, we started up with about 20 people. Uh, we would watch, uh, we would get uh, one match every two weeks. We were ecstatic at that. Uh, that was the 1995-96 season, you know, when we only lost uh, one match in the league, uh, you know, lost Scottish Cup semifinal to them, lost in the League Cup to them. Uh, you know, frustrating season for the club, but it was a good first season for the Chicago CSC. And then uh, that summer was the first convention in Las Vegas, and uh, the Celtic party flew through Chicago on their way to Las Vegas for the first convention. So we had, uh, you know, we hosted them. We had a dinner with uh, Bobby Murdoch, Bertie Ald, Bobby Lennox, you know, uh, Jim Craig, uh, you know, good a good group of Celtic support, you know, of, of Celtic X players, uh, and then other supporters on their way to Las Vegas. And then that just sort of, you know, the, those first days just established something that we were able to build on both in Chicago and through North America. And, you know, here we are today, 30 years on, uh, clubs are still thriving and there are places for people to watch the Celtic all over the world. And yeah. uh, it's been nice to been, been a part of that. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned that, I mean, hugely important figures in Celtic's history, you know, several Lis Lisbon lines you've touched on between Bobby Murdoch, Barry Old, Jim Craig. Um, that that happening, you know, in that summer of what ninety six, then was that a kind of a galvanizing factor? You know, the fact that genuine Celtic legends could come and make an appearance in your club before kicking on to the convention was that something that almost gave you further inspiration that you, you were doing the right thing and heading in the right direction? It was a nice reward for that hard effort that first year. You know, we always wondered if we were um, if it was working. You know, we had, you know, there were always some technical challenges, you know, or challenges with the initial pub we were in. You know, sometimes, you know, we'd miss the first minute of the match. We'd miss goals. Uh, the audio would be sporadic. You know, we, we went through one match. It was a, a match against Motherwell in the early days where Celtic scored in the first minute, gave up an equalizer in the, the last five minutes. We thought we'd lost the match because we'd missed the first goal. Early days of satellite technology, you got a little, you know, we we missed a large portion of the Scottish Cup semifinal that year because of satellite difficulties. You always wondered if you were, you know, if it wasn't, it never thought it wasn't worth it, but there were times you questioned your resolve. And uh, getting that kind of response and getting people that were following up, you know, it was, it was reassuring in the early days. Yeah. I kind of wish we had the... Uh technical difficulties of our own during the 90s, Mike, because there's a lot of things that I'd rather have missed altogether. Yeah. Um, but that's that's maybe a separate story. Paul, I'll come to you. You know, obviously, um, we've mentioned that, you know, you, you're you're newer in Chicago, I think you mentioned to me before we started. Five years uh, yeah. you've been out there now. What's your own Celtic background story? I suppose it'll be very different between yourself and Mike in terms of, you know, how you first came to be a Celtic supporter. So what's your own kind of uh, intro to Celtic, if you like. Yeah, I mean, like most Celtic fans, there was no choice in the matter. I was born and had a Celtic top on. Uh, I got taken to my first game. It was Phil O'Donnell's debut at Fir Hill. 
back in 94. That was my first game, fell in love with the game, when as much as I could as a kid. Uh, I think Larson's last season was the one season I had a catalogue term season ticket so I could go to every game. Mm-hmm. So I just fell in love with football then. And then after moving to Chicago five years ago, like, like most Celtic fans around that time, I was just obsessed with the team because we just won the double treble by that point. And I'd visited Chicago a few times. And then the first time I came, I, like most Celtic fans, first thing I googled was local Celtic supporters club. And the uh, first thing that popped up was uh, AJ Hudson's where we drink with uh, Mike Boyd and the boys. And I popped in, there was no game on. Uh, so I just popped in just to see what they had in the walls and stuff and I liked the place so I think I went back now and again on visits and stuff but I never caught a game there and then uh-huh. when I finally moved here in November 2018 first thing I done was like when's the next, when's the next game and it was uh, Rosenberg away I think it was one of those Rotten, Scott Sinclair winners uh, it was kind of it was a grim game but it was kind of nice being around people and it was just yeah seeing how quickly that became important to me. It became important to me to make sure it was there for everyone. So I kept going along, got to know the guys and stuff, went along to Vegas a couple of years ago to the conference. And then a couple of years ago now, myself and a boy called Alan Wade, we just messaged Mike saying it's not got much of a social media presence and mm-hmm. we'd love to get on that. So we got access to the social media and we've spent the last year growing it, planning events and doing everything we can to get more people through the doors. Brilliant. And is it that kind of thing where it's, you know, word of mouth as much as anything? I believe there's a, there's a huge Irish community uh, in Chicago in itself, but is it a case, Paul, where yourself and other maybe, either, you know, Glasgow-based folk or, or Scottish folk, you know, just reach out to each other and, and start to, to build the group through that? Yeah, definitely. There's even been fans of other Scottish teams that have followed me on Twitter and DM me saying, I hear you're the guy to speak to about getting games on. I've mm-hmm. got a couple of Kamarnock fans, some Hart fans, some of it, that lot as well, begrudgingly. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, a lot of it is word of mouth because there is a huge football or soccer culture over here, but we're, we're always fighting against the Premier League, and we're always yeah. going to be. Uh, some people, especially the p- past year or so, with all the uh, political stuff going on, uh, people are aware of Celtic and like Celtic, but convincing them to wake up at 6am to come watch them. It's a whole other story. So it's just about making that something that's more worthwhile and fun to do. So that's why we've been pushing the word of mouth. We're going to get stickers and just plant them around the city. So there's no way you can't know about us. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys are delighted when you see some evening kickoffs coming back in around about yeah. this time of year. It gives you, <laughs> gives you at least an extra few hours in your bed. Yeah. Mike, Mike, from your own point of view, um, as I say, you know, can absolutely understand uh, Paul's story has been, you know, very kind of, well-trodden path, you know, born in, in this part of the world here in Glasgow and almost not having a choice in terms of becoming a Celtic fan. But what about yourself? What's your own story? My story is it's kind of the opposite of Paul's. You know, I made a decision to become a Celtic supporters fan or supporter. You know, I had been, I would say I had been a, a Celtic sympathizer. Uh, I had been, you know, going to Europe on, on my holiday to watch football through the years. Uh, I went to my... First Celtic match was a Celtic Rangers match in March of 1993. And I went from being a sympathizer to a supporter, you know, and and then 
you know, around that point was the time that we were starting to get doing the groundwork to start the supporters club. And it came out of that, uh, you know, in, in those days, you know, I would go back and forth, you know, once a year or so, try to see as many matches as I could during that, during that short time period, you know, always go around this time of year, you know, fixture congestion, you know, would always work in my favor. You know, if I might intend to see two matches in a two week period, I might get to see three, sometimes four. So that would always work out through the years. But, uh, you know, from my name, my family is Scottish, but they, we've been in America a lot longer than before Celtic started. So I made, you know, growing up playing football, my coach was a Barcelona socio. So he taught me it was very important to choose what team I supported. And mm -hmm. I think I made the right choice. Yeah, I think you definitely did. Um, Paul had mentioned the where you drink. So AJ Hudson's, I believe, is the venue for the Chicago CSC. And, and I think you've had various places you've congregated over the years. I believe you've had some fairly well-known individuals come and visit you at different times. I think Paolo Nettini's quoted as being there, Rod Stewart, and Dermot Desmond. Would that be right? Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been lucky because, you know, Chicago is an important transit hub. We get a lot of people coming through on their ways to other places. Dermot Desmond was in Chicago when the Arlington Million was being run. So he and his son were in, you know, in a pub, you know, watching the match at, at you know, early morning, like everybody else. He uh, mm. was a good tipper. The staff liked him, you know, which is always an important consideration. Uh, Rod Stewart has been around uh, a couple of times. Whenever he tours in the Midwest, he bases himself in Chicago. So he'll try to see a match depending on where he's playing. You know, he has been there for matches, left, flown out, done his concert, flown back to Chicago, come back to the next match, flown to Kansas City, played that night, mentioned that he was watching the match four hours ago in Chicago. So yeah. he's he's a good, um, you know, he, he does our, our publicity for us in one sense. So that works out fairly well. Paolo Unatini, lovely guy, has been there, you know, usually every – Every Celtic supporter that comes by has always been, uh, you know, brilliant, you know, appreciative of the effort we put on and, uh, in, you know, enjoys it. And our, the members that happen to be there when they show up, they always enjoy meeting them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it sounds a very welcoming place. Um, Paul, Mike had mentioned some of the, the technical challenges, you know, in those early days, mid-90s and beyond. You know, satellite TV wasn't what it was. And, and generally, coverage of... I suppose football globally, but certainly, you know, here in Scotland wasn't what it's now become. How easy or straightforward is it for you guys to access now? Is that, is that a Celtic TV type account or, or how, how do you access the games? It's actually probably easier than watching the game back home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I found that actually because uh, with Celtic TV, we know we've got every game, basically. I mean, we can debate the quality of the uh, service for days, but the game's on. Uh, and then any televised game back home, so if it's on Sky or whatever it's on these days, it will be on CBS over here right now. Okay. So typically the away 6 a.m. kickoffs will be on, see we're on Paramount Plus streaming service or CBS Sports Network. Uh, so it is pretty simple to watch the games. I mean, internet issues come up all the time or websites go down. I think we had a time recently where it went down and one of the members had to pop up and say, try my account. And that worked. Uh, so like, there are always issues. And yesterday it kept freezing. 
uh, right as soon as it hit stoppage time, the stream would freeze and we'd have to refresh it. Uh, but like that's rare. That's probably the, the second time in five years I've seen an issue pop up. Right. And it's, uh, it's actually it's been good for the sport over here because it's kind of similar to American sports and back in Scotland and the UK as a whole right now. It's just the streaming services, you put every sport on. So if you want to watch it, it's there. So it's like, even if, I mean, I'll do it. Uh, I've just skimmed through the TV and go, oh, the Argentinian league's on. I'll give that a watch. So I'm about trying to convince people, hey, Celtic's on. Even if you're, if you're looking for a game, stick the game on. Yeah. Because uh, it's there. You're paying for it anyway, so I might as well watch it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, just to stay with it, Paul, there's there's a whole wealth of, I mean, American sport mad in general, isn't it? And, you know, just kind of yeah. refresh myself. You've got the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears. Have you found yourself embracing that as much as, you know, oh, yeah. Mike and others have embraced what Celtic do? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a big sports fan myself. I've got the Cubs hat on now. Uh, I get to as many Cubs games a season as I can. Like, AJ Hudson's is just around the corner from Wrigley Field. Uh, so there's been times you've had people visiting from out of town and we've sorted them out with tickets and took them to the game and shown them all the right bars to go to because uh, Chicago is a sports town and uh, especially like for me football is always going to be top uh, so I've become a huge uh, Chicago Fire fan in the MLS uh, I've got involved with their supporters groups and uh, I've got involved with front office and we've actually started working with them as a supporters club uh, they've been giving us donations for like raffles to have it, the bar, uh, sorting out events. We've got like ticket guys on standby if we need group tickets set up. So it's been really fun because Chicago loves sports and we love it more than them. So let's join together and just have a good time, have a have a baby. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Mike, from your own point of view, is soccer number one? I'm, I'm, I'm falling into the, the terminology, but is soccer football number one for you or have you got uh, love elsewhere? Well, you know, I'm a Cubs fan. You know, I've been to Cubs games with Paul. Uh, you know, a long, long-suffering Cubs fan. Uh, so, you know, being a Celtic supporter is a very different experience than being a Cubs fan. Uh, you know, I, I I like hockey. Uh, you know, that's why I would go see the Blackhawks. Hockey's the closest thing to to football in America in terms of of you know the action and being engaged and the, the crowd interaction, um, but you know, I always tell people all the all the space that as an American should be full of of American football is full of soccer for me. You know, I don't really, yeah. you know, football is a uh, somebody described football as all the things that are bad with America. You know, it's uh, mindless committee meetings uh, followed by random violence. And so <laughs> I've I've never been you know never never been an American football fan. Yeah, no, it sounds like you've made the right choice there. Stick with that. Um, and just to get back to the, the club itself, so, you know, obviously we've touched on the timeline there, so approaching 30 years, you know, more or less, and I don't know if you guys have got any plans there in terms of marking that occasion, but out with that, I'll stick with you for now, Mike, any particular, you know, memories, you know, during that time, have, have you maybe been on any trips together, any, you know, particularly emotional cup finals or anything at all like that? Well, you know, certainly the you know stopping the 10 you know 1998 uh you know we had you know again that was sort of in the the early days of the internet and people were getting in contact you know wanting to know you know i'm going to be in chicago on business or i'm in chicago for an academic concert you know conference 
is there some place that we can get together with, you know, Celtic supporters? And I'm like, yeah, you know, at 9 a.m., you can come and see the match with us. You know, and we'd plan, you know, win, lose, or draw. We'd planned, a, you know, a day of, you know, singers and catered food. And, you know, we were we were planning on celebrating the end of a great season. Mm-hmm. You know, luckily it was the, the end of a real great season. It may not yeah. have been, uh, you know, things had gone had gone south. Uh, you know, that was obviously, you know, very Im- important to us. Um, in 2007, as part of Celtics uh, preseason activities, they came to North America. They played a match in uh, Denver uh, as part of the preseason. They played against the uh, uh, the uh, Major League Soccer All-Stars. And then they came and played a match in Chicago, which was very important for us because we got to, you know, host a large number of people that were coming to Chicago uh, for, you know, maybe the only reason they were coming to Chicago was to see Celtic. And, you know, we got to show them more of Chicago than just going to see the match and and being at the pub before the game. So that was very good for us. It was also very important to us because one of our members had, uh, who was a a paramedic, had been killed uh, in an auto accident uh, right before that at Christmas time. And he was a, a big Celtic supporter. Uh, he was also a big fire supporter. So it was a very nice chance for his family to come see, you know, to meet his other families and have that, you know, we had commemorative scarves made. We still have some of them, you know, almost 20 years later, people still, you know, think back about that, um, you know, and, uh it's always good to do those sort of things. You know, one of the things that you realize in running a supporters club for as long as you do is that, you know, members pass on, you know, we have members that, you know, obviously 30 years ago, you know, of our founding 20 members, you know, I was just doing the math, you know, uh, six of them have passed on in those years. A couple more are in, um, are in, you know, challenging health situations. We don't see them as often as we do. But on the other hand, uh, you know, just yesterday, one of their sons came by, came into the pub right at the end of the match and was very happy to see the people. And he talked, you know, it was nice to reminisce about how his, you know, his father had moved to uh, America in the 1950s and was one of those people that lived on people sending them newspapers of the matches and listening to the odd shortwave radio. And he talked about how his father, you know, who was in his seventies when the club started, how much he enjoyed having the supporters club again in his life, just like it had been when he was in his teens and twenties, you know, and before he left Glasgow. So that's always important. You know, that's, that just makes it easier to keep going on when there are those 6 a.m. kickoffs and there are people there, you know, nobody really wants to be there, it, you know, but they turn up, sometimes people turn up out of duty, but, you know, it's always good to get that kind of feedback from people and do that. I, you know, as Paul mentioned, it's much easier to watch the match, you know, from your house on Celtic yeah. TV at 6 a.m. than it is to get up and, and, you know, deal with the weather and get down to the pub. Yeah, I've no doubt about that. And um, but it's important there, Mike. You know, on a you know more serious note, it is important to to remember that you know Celtic does it, it transcends football. And I know it's become almost a bit cliche, but you know Celtic is more than just a football team. You know that there's so much more to it, and it's important that you remember. You know those those friends that are no longer here, and and you know your friend the paramedic, and 
and that his memory lives on. And it sounds like that's an important part of, of what you guys do at the club. Yes, it's about watching games of football and, and hoping that Celtic win. And more often than not at the moment, we do win. But there's life beyond Celtic. And it's great to hear that you guys have, have approached that in, in what seems to be the right manner. Um, Paul, to, to come back to yourself, I, I suppose I'll ask you the question twofold. What are your kind of favourite memories supporting Celtic in your relatively short time in Chicago? And also your kind of bigger memories from your own time when you were in Glasgow? Yeah. Uh, so I'll stay short term for now. It's probably the last Rangers game. Uh, we, obviously, the result helps uh, beating them 2-0. Um, but after I was taking over the social media and stuff like that about a year or so ago, we'd seen uh, the turnouts getting bigger, which had been nice because the, the main uh, example I used was the Real Madrid home game in the Champions League last season. We had about eight of us around one table because it was a Tuesday afternoon. But then mm-hmm. the Champions League opener this season, we filled the whole room. Yeah. So it was kind of like, they were looking at the same time, same kind of level of game here, and we've got more people out, so that was, that felt good. But then we kind of pushed on from that and organised a raffle. Um, and that's when we got we got uh, Liam Scales, Max Born Jersey, Chicago Fire signed Jersey, had tickets to Chicago Fire games, whiskey balls and stuff like that. And then seeing the whole room packed and everyone like enjoying the raffle, getting involved, and we raised over a grand for the Celtic Foundation to do that. Um, and just seeing all the hard work come into something good and to take it back to what Mike was saying about our friend, the paramedic, his name is Dan Parry. He was also a very uh, vocal activist in the Chicago area. And yeah. you still see a lot of people at Chicago Fire Games with the Celtic and Chicago Fire half and half scarves and stuff like that in his honor. And it's kind of important to me to carry on that legacy. And only because that's the way a lot of people in Chicago look at Celtic is through his charity work and yeah. that was how they found out about it so it's important to keep that going and keep building on it and keep working with the local fan groups and that yeah and, and it's great to hear you know that, that Dan's name lives on in, in such a, a positive manner I'll, I'll stay with you Paul on a, on a question which you've kind of you've started to lean in towards it's about your aspirations or the aspirations of the club in terms of what what does the future hold so you know as I say we're approaching 30 years of the Chicago CSC but What's your kind of, without being too fluffy, your, your hopes and dreams for the future of the club? Yeah, um, so we spoke briefly about the 30th anniversary a few times. Uh, uh, I think it will kind of collide with the next uh, Vegas conference as well, so maybe we can try and do a bit of me up there, but we spoke about merch and things like that. But I think sticking short term is just about growing the attendance every week. Um, We've got some more events planned. We're going to get some more raffles sorted. Uh, we're trying to get a lot more people to Chicago Fire games, especially now that we've got a Celtic preseason legend, Andy Goodman, at left back. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we've got a few people uh, uh, hounding me about how to get season tickets and stuff for those games. So it's about just trying to grow in the football community in Chicago because we've got the World Cup uh, coming to America in 2026. Chicago doesn't have a game, but it's still going to get the boost from the country hosting the World Cup. So it's yeah. about setting good foundations before that happens. So then when people do fair cup saying, we want to watch a game, we've got it all set up for them. Yeah, it sounds like you've got you know, plenty of things in the pipeline there and a, and a few ideas bouncing around. Mike, 
From your side of things, you've mentioned you're one of around about 20 founding members, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of, you know, different people come and go and, and attendances fluctuate. What was your own hopes for the, the years ahead for the club? You know, obviously, for the club, you know, club to continue and thrive, you know, it's certainly, you know, membership, you know, at different points in times has been as high as a 120. You know, now our membership is around, you know, 30 pretty dedicated supporters. And then a number, you know, obviously, you know, we'll, we get more people for cup finals and matches against them, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, the idea is to, you know, leave a legacy for Celtic in Chicago, you know, continuing supporters club, continue, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, Paul and Alan Wade have been very good about is connecting ties to uh, to younger people in Chicago, both Celtic supporters and in the larger soccer community and getting them involved and engaged. So we'd like to continue to do that. We'd like to um, work on, you know, ties, be more visible in the soccer community, you know, uh, f from, uh, you know, an actual playing standpoint, a lot of our, our memories are, you know, we have memories of playing, but we're not active anymore. But we'd like to continue to do something, whether it's in, you know, there are, uh, the fire is is working to interact with the supporters communities in Chicago. So we, you know, look forward to putting out uh, Celtic Supporters Club teams in those competitions. Uh, we can certainly get people to come out and support them on the sideline. You know, a lot of us would be very good about having a bevy on the sideline and providing constructive criticism to referees for uh, during that during these matches. But so we looked at you know we're just looking to keep the community you know the community of Celtic supporters growing in Chicago, whether they're whether they feel part of the Celtic supporters club or just attached to the club as sympathizers. We're looking to continue to grow that. Yeah, and and how important is charity to you guys, Mike? So Paul's mentioned you know a few times different raffles you've done and raising good funds and, and channeling them back to, to the Celtic Foundation here, which is great, and, and they do some some brilliant work here in Glasgow and much further afield, actually. How important in general is, is charity to you guys at the club? Um, one of the things that, you know, as you may be aware in Chicago, you know, Chicago is experiencing an influx of, you know, refugees from, uh, from the border that are being you know, shipped here by the state of Texas and rather unceremoniously dumped on the streets of Chicago, uh, unprepared and unaware that they're actually coming to Chicago. And, mm -hmm. you know, it fits the ethos of Celtic, which is a club built, you know, for the, uh, you know, built on integrating immigrants into a society that perhaps overall was not welcoming to them, but being that link to in the past, you know, it's a good thing for for the Chicago Sea to be involved in. And, you know, I think that we'll see the Chicago Sea being involved in that and continue to be involved in that one, you know, if this crisis eases, uh, if it but we'll still be involved in supporting the things that are at the core of uh, the club, you know, Celtics uh, experience. Yeah, now that that's great to hear. Um, we're drawing into the kind of the end of the recording as such, but I've got a what is a, a very short question, but I'm not sure it's a short answer. But I'll come to you first, Paul. Uh, and the question is simply: 
Just what does being a, a supporter of Celtic Football Club mean to you? In one word, everything. Uh, and I know that's a cop-out. Um, but really, there's not a minute goes by where it isn't Celtic on my mind. And it's because there's so many aspects of my life that I can live through Celtic. But in a way, that keeps me happy. I mean, even though it's hard at times. Uh, but like through the charity work, the ethos of the fans, uh, the respect that you get for like wearing a Celtic top around this city, like people, like, you don't see many Rangers tops. I mean, I know it's, don't like to compare, but I think I've seen like two or three Rangers tops in my time in Chicago and I see Celtic tops all the time. Um, so it gives you a sense of pride for your people and where you come from. And it, yeah, just pride, if anything. Yeah. And yourself, Mike, you know, as we've touched on, founding father there at the Chicago CSC, you know, you've your own interest in journey into Celtic, but just how important are Celtic to you now? And, and generally speaking, what has being a supporter mean to you? Well, being a supporter to me is the sense of community that Celtic, you know, brings, you know, you're, there's the small local community. There's a larger community in North America. There's a larger community all through the world with the diaspora of Celtic supporters. Uh, and then, you know, when I've been at Celtic, you know, I've always found, you know, people uh, interested, you know, everybody seems to be interested in, in, you know, everyone's path to Celtic. You know, many people have, you know, have grown up with Celtic multi, multiple generations in their family. But there's, you know, I've never been made to feel that my being a Celtic supporter is inferior to their Celtic experiences. You know, I just think it's a it's a welcoming, inclusive community. You know, Catholic in in the lower sea sense of all encompassing and all all you know, uh, welcome to all. Yeah, we chatted briefly, Mike, before you know going live here with the recording. And a question that I'll be asking the various CSCs is, you know, are non-members welcome? You know, if anyone wanted to to find you guys and, and come and join you for a game or even not a game, you know, is it is it a, a a welcome uh, mat laid out for anyone that wants to come join you? Yeah, we are we are welcome. You know, we are a welcoming community. You know, we would never. You know, there are matches because of licensing hours and other things that are going in a pub that we are uh, twenty-one and over for some matches, but very few matches you know we're you know we certainly welcome you know we've had you know very very young children and we've had you know families with children come in you know i would say that we we aim to be welcoming we're we're an inclusive club rather than an exclusive club yeah and that's it eg hudson's and that that is a central venue in the city well we're we're located you know in chicago you know it's roughly half a mile from uh wrigley field uh it's you know, fairly easy to get to on public transportation. Um, you know, we get people that are staying in the city to come to us, you know, people that, you know, it's it's relatively easy as far as Chicago traffic can be. It's fairly centrally located for anyone, you know, even at 6 a.m. people are able to find us. Yeah, and I'm sure there's not too much traffic at that time in the morning. Um, Paul, just in terms of maybe the, the social media side as much as anything, where can folks maybe get in touch if they want to drop you a note, maybe they're planning a visit to Chicago or anything like that. Is there a, a place you can direct them to? Yeah, uh, so the Celtic, the CIC account is uh, at Chicago, yeah, Chicago Celtic SC. Chicago Celtic SC. It yeah. is, is Twitter, or X as it's now known, is that your, your kind of main place for? Yeah, most, yeah, that's where we get most of our stuff. We do have an Instagram account as well. This is just the same. Um, uh, 
and then if you need me, I'm at CT Paul ninety. Uh, I'll use if you just want to get involved in like football around the city or charity around the city. Like I'm, I'm usually trying to plan something, or I'm aware of stuff going on. Great stuff, and, and I'll, as I say, I'll share these links in the show notes for anyone that looks to uh, get in touch with you guys. Paul, I'll, I'll stay with you just now, just for your own final comments. As I say, a big thank you to yourself and Mike, first of all, for joining me uh, for the first of these recordings. But your own just general comments, whatever that may be, you know, being part of the club, you know, being part of the bigger club of Celtic in general. Yeah, uh, it's a it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know the guys and Mike and traveling to the like, only to Vegas with the guys. Uh, a couple of years ago, but uh, just meeting everyone, the large community, is an absolute pleasure. Uh, makes you proud to be a Celtic fan. Um, and then on top of that, like, just the charity side of things is huge for us, especially in sports in Chicago. The I'll say soccer scene because it's Chicago. Like uh, Mike, Mike uh, spoke about the uh, refugees getting planted, well, planted, dumped in Chicago. Um, something me and my friends done about a year ago uh, called Red Line Supporters Group. We go to all the fire, Chicago fire games and all Chicago soccer teams. Um, we done a big fundraiser to buy uh, AstroTurf boots for all the Venezuelan refugees that were getting brought up. And then we put on weekly pick-up five-a-side games at a local park. And we brought them along, gave them their boots. They all got to play. And then Chicago Fire came along and gave them tickets to the next home game and stuff like that. And we're just trying to get more stuff like that going on and through Celtic I think that's very easy and to do that because everybody here is aware of Celtic's terrible causes and they're always wanting to work with us. Yeah and, and it's really good to hear that you know you're you're doing what sounds like a lot of really good charitable stuff there Paul and Celtic's name but obviously you know all the way across the water there in Chicago so great to hear that. Mike your own final comments as, as we've touched on founding father um, long-time Celtic fan now, maybe one of the more experienced members of the group, is it, is it fair to say? But any final comments from yourself, Mike? I mean, it's just been, I mean, it's been work. It's been, a, you know, it's a labour of love, but it's good, you know. I don't think that, you know, if you ask the members that are still around that started this club 30 years ago, I don't think we'd have any idea what it would be like now. You know, I think that, you know, we we're looking you know, at the short term, but, you know, here we are, relatively speaking, you know, we're an institution and uh, what you want to leave it, you know, you want, you know, you want to leave the world a better place than when you found it, want to leave the Celtic supporters, you know, the Celtic community in Chicago, a better place than when we found it 30 years ago. And then I feel, you know, one of the great things about the last um, several years is getting, you know, the club getting reinvigorated by, um, people like Paul, people like Alan that are coming in that have, you know, realized that they can offer things to the club that we didn't have that would help us continue to, you know, to thrive and grow in the, you know, in, you know, for the next 30 years, you know, the work we're doing now will put us in a good place for somebody to come back, you know, in 2056 and do something on the, you know, the 60th anniversary of the Chicago CSC. You know, Paul will be around for that. I don't, I don't expect to be around for that. But, uh, you know, we'll look to, you know, look for that to, to continue. Yeah, but it's great to see, as I say, you know, whether it's the charity side of things or even just being a, a welcoming place for people across the globe to come and watch football, it sounds like you guys are, you guys are doing some great things. I suppose, you know, just as we start to wrap things up, 
Um, I'd like to wish you all the best for your, your 30th next year and beyond. You never know, at some point I may end up there. I hope I do. Um, and I'll be sure to look you guys up. But in the meantime, all that's left for me to say is a massive thanks to Mike and Paul for joining me on the Celtic Exchange today and for being amongst the first to share their CSE story with us. If you want us to feature your own CSE in a future episode, then just get in touch on our social media or via the website at theceltichexchange.com. Remember that CSE Stories is brought to you in partnership with Football Without Fans, the definitive guide to Celtic supporters clubs around the globe. And you can pick up a copy of that on Amazon and various other places right now. And again, we'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. But in the meantime, thanks again to Mike and Paul. And finally, thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back again soon with more CSC stories. Podcast Network.